you'd turn me down just a little bit on these uh, monitors up here, I'd appreciate that. Um, you guys have been supporting us for, I'm going to say probably somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight years, uh, which is a real long time. Uh, our ministry is e-missionaire. I'm a missionary pilot for those who may not have ever met me. And um, we are basically called to the Caribbean for about the last three and a half years. Our point of interest and our point of concentration has been specifically the Bahamas. And I, I get to fly all over the islands down there. And uh, over the last few years, you know that three and a half years ago, there was a major hurricane down there in the Caribbean. Uh, just wiped out so many islands down there. Of course, the Bahamas was really hard hit. So we started flying in supplies down there, which really wasn't my forte. It's not what uh, I started this ministry to do, but I volunteered to do it nonetheless. And God had a plan. I just didn't see it at the time. But we started flying those supplies and, and uh, people and teams and things over there and have been doing that ever since. Well, over the last uh, eight to ten months... God has now started to turn that, and those uh, relationships that we built over all that time are now turning into invitations to come down there into their churches and preach the gospel. Uh, so we've, man, I can't tell you how many Bibles I've flown in down there, and, and uh, meetings now that we've preached down there, and churches, and, and open-air meetings down there. So now it's turned from uh, supplying to basically... 99% uh, evangelism, which is obviously our goal in ministry. So uh, just pray for our ministry. Uh, we've, we've grown to uh, extremes that I never imagined nor desired. Um, but again, God had a plan, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. And I just hold on and seek His will, and, and uh, it, it changes every day. But uh, I'm blessed to be a part of it. So this morning... Um, I think this kind of goes along with what I plan to preach this morning. We're going to be in Matthew 6. If ever you can't find anything to preach or teach, I can assure you, you can always find something to talk about, about the Lord. Amen. That's always a good place to start. We're going to be in Matthew 6, and I'm going to start in verse 9. <clears throat> Matthew 6 and verse 9, and I'm going to read through 13. The Bible says, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine uh, is, the, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let's pray again before I get started here. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come uh, gather in thy house this morning, Lord, that we still have the freedom to be able to come out of our homes and come to a church house, Lord, and, and gather with our friends and our family and just talk about, learn about, and just love on you this morning. Father, we're thankful for that. Uh, Lord, we pray for all the services and all that's done today, Lord. We pray, God, if one walked through those doors that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that today be that day that they 
uh, make that decision before it's eternally too late. We'll certainly give you all the praise, honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a couple questions. First of all, this being Sunday school, I like to do that. How many of you have ever seen this Lord's Prayer and just wondered why we don't pray this every time we pray? Because that's what the Bible says. Several hands there, all right. It says pray in this manner, all right. But you have to back up a little bit. Many times when we read Scripture, we take that Scripture and we want to read that literally, and we should because the Bible is literal. But sometimes we need to back up to see what the Lord is talking about or, or, the, per, or the author that's speaking at that particular time. All right, and in this case, uh, this particular uh, learning session, if you will, is to teach people how, how to pray. Okay, so this, uh, m- this is a model, if you would, of how we should pray. And we'll go over that, but I'm going to warn you, after I teach you this, if you're anything like me, you won't be able to unlearn it. Every time I pray now, I go back to what I'm about to teach you, and it's going through my head as I pray, and if I miss it, I'll stop and back up. And you'll see what I'm talking about here in just a couple of minutes. Um, I believe prayer is the most important part of our Christian lives. Uh, First of all, uh, the prayer of salvation. If you've ever missed that prayer, then you need to back up completely. Because salvation is what our walk is all about. And if you miss that one, I'm just going to give you Bible today. I'm a straight up preacher. I don't get complicated. I don't get deep in theology. It's this simple. If you miss that first prayer of salvation, then God doesn't hear the rest of your prayers anyway. That's Bible. All right? So, that being the most important part of our Christian lives, it would be really difficult for you to believe that I loved you if I never came up here and spoke to you. And I believe it's the same with the Lord. How can we say, well, we love God, but we never talk to Him? Or maybe we just talk to Him when we're in need. Or maybe once a day when we get time, we'll, we'll call out and we'll talk to God. No, if you truly love God and you have a relationship with God, then you need to talk with Him on a regular basis, just like you would your parents or your children or your friends. Amen? Because He is our friend, among other things. Jesus' life revolved around an old rugged cross. But salvation wasn't the only thing that was accomplished the day He hung on that tree. If we read about the crucifixion in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one, we see that the veil was also ripped as a result of His death. Maybe you remember hearing about that story when he hung on the cross and it got dark and the skies uh, were covered over and the storms came and the veil was ripped. And I'll tell you a little nugget about that. If you go back and read your Bible, it says that veil was ripped from top to bottom. I believe there was a reason he did that. You see, if it would have been ripped from bottom to top, then that would have been man ripping it open. But the fact is, God ripped that veil from the very top of that temple all the way down to the floor to give us access to that throne room that used to only be accessible by the highest priest. Amen? He had to be perfectly prepared and go through all these traditional things to be able to go back there and even go face to face with God back there at that ark. And if he did it wrong, he didn't come back. Now, all of a sudden, the veil is torn, the veil is ripped, it's gone. And we have total access to God. So why wouldn't we take advantage of that? 
We can approach the throne room of grace at any time, anywhere, in any condition. Uh, I do believe, however, that before we approach it, we should make sure that we're clean. Now, I don't mean that means you've got to go take a shower before you pray. But you should take a spiritual shower. You should ask that God cleanse you. Uh, it, it may be somewhat tradition for me, and I try to steer away from that, but uh, I, I tend to like to, before I start praying, I like to say, God, first cleanse me, if you would, from my head, top, top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Lord, that there's nothing between us right now that would prevent you from hearing my prayer. Two times God doesn't hear your prayers. If you're lost, you've never been saved, God doesn't hear your prayers. Or if you're out of God's will. Therefore, when I approach God, let me back up just a minute, okay? I want to make sure because I don't want somebody to go say, well, God, God's not going to hear me if I try to get saved. There's one prayer that He hears if you're lost. That's the prayer of salvation, the prayer of repentance, all right? Otherwise, once you're saved, if you're cleansed and, and you're walking to the best of your ability in His will, I believe that He answers every single prayer that you cast before Him. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself for, for my message this morning, but sometimes it's a yes, and it's very obvious. He opens doors for us. Sometimes it's a no, and that's very obvious because He closes doors for us. Sometimes it's a just not right now. That's the hard one for AJ. I don't like to wait. And sometimes I have to. And I have in no way perfected that. I'm not even close. But that waiting game is, is that learning period. That's where we learn. Anyway, getting into the lesson here. So this veil that was ripped, this was a, a literal curtain that separated the average person from entering into the throne room of grace. The veil was ripped, giving us access to our Father at any time that we choose. We don't have to dress for it, thank God. We don't have to prepare for it. We don't have to worry about having a cell phone signal or a, a charged phone that day, amen. We've got total access to God at any time. We see in Matthew 6 a prayer that most Christians are at least familiar with, while lots of Christians and lots of denominations even know this prayer by heart. We call it the Lord's Prayer. This was give, given by Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount. So here's my question. If we're supposed to pray this particular prayer, then why doesn't our church do it? We saw a couple of hands and people who asked that same question. So who's our pastor to pray his own prayer over us when we've got this prayer right here that Jesus said this is how we should pray? I asked this myself. So I was thankful when I learned what I'm about to teach you this morning. So again, understand this is just a model of how we should pray. Look back at verse 7. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So Jesus himself here said not to use vain repetitions as the, the heathens do. And the heathens are people that have no religion, basically. Uh, in this case, he's referring to the Jews, which he also calls hypocrites there in verse 5. He goes on to explain that they're praying just to be seen as better than others because they pray so well and so eloquently in speech and so much more religious than anyone else. At least they thought so. Jesus also goes on to explain that we should pray in our prayer closet and shut the door. In other words, we should be alone. But how many times uh, here in the Bible do you see people praying outside of their closet? 
That doesn't literally mean that we go, need to go into the closet and tear out all the shoes and the clothes and repaint the walls and be in there all by ourselves to pray. It's not what he's saying here. We should, however, try to find a place that's alone, uh, away from the television, away from the distractions of the world. But in this case, what he's particularly talking about is not doing it in front of people so that you're getting the glory which was happening here in the Bible most of the time. So get in a place where you aren't being watched and find yourself praying just so that others will praise you for it. In other words, it doesn't mean that you have to go into the back of a restaurant and be by yourself. But I have seen those preachers, of all people, that will sit down and they pray as loud as they can. And honestly, it's not to ask God for His blessings. It's more so that everybody in the restaurant will see that they're holy and spiritual. And that's exactly what he's warning us against here. And I'm going to try to skip ahead some of this for the sake of time. What time do you guys usually finish up Sunday school? Okay. Do what we can here. Alright, so back at our text, in the first line of verse 9, Jesus said to pray in this manner. He didn't say pray these exact words. He didn't say you've got to use this um, outline, if you will, each and every time you pray. He just said, use this manner. In other words, we should use this as a, as a, uh, a template as how we should build our own prayers. We're building this prayer, a prayer sandwich, if you will. And this was really intriguing to me when I heard that, and I, I just thought, wow, I've missed that. So we'll start with the praise as we pray. We praise Him for the things that He's done. We, we, we praise Him for the answers that we've seen in our prayers. We praise Him for the things that He's given us, for His grace, for His mercy. All those things that you have a desire to praise Him for, I like to put those right on top of my sandwich. Before I start asking Him for anything, I want to praise Him for the things that I asked Him for this morning, or yesterday, or last week, or maybe even five years ago, that now I'm seeing answers to. I want to be sure to give Him the honor and the praise for that. You may remember the story about the lepers that He healed. How many did He heal? But how many came back to thank Him? Just one. I believe God wants praise and honor for the things that He does for us. So I put those on top of my prayer sandwich. I find it hard now to pray without first asking that He cleanse me again, that I'm uh, in His will to the best of my ability, and then I call out for praise. He starts the first line of the prayer itself, Our Father. This again goes to show that we must first be recognized as a child of the Father, then it says, which art in heaven? You must have faith that there's a heaven, and He is by all means in heaven. And that faith, along with the faith that He sent His Son Jesus, who is teaching us this prayer to the cross to die for our sins, that He was resurrected the third day to conquer death, is the same faith that will qualify you to be His child and pray to Him in this manner to have those prayers answered. So next in the same verse, look there in the Bible, verse 9, he said, Hallowed be thy name. So we need to acknowledge him, uplift him, and glorify him. 
To hallow God's name is to revere, honor, glorify, and obey Him as singularly perfect. To truly hallow His name is to acknowledge Him in every thought and conversation throughout your day. Pastor Ben Farrell wrote, Hallowed be thy name. Shakespeare would ask, What's in a name? There is much to be found and considered in the names of God. The names of God reveal the nature of God. God's name signifies infinitely more than His titles. It represents all that He is, His character, His plan, and His will. Each of the many Old Testament names and titles of God shows a different facet of His character and His will. He is called, for example, Elohim, the Creator God, El Elyon, Possessor of Heaven and Earth, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, Jehovah Sakinu, I can't hardly even pronounce that, the Lord our righteousness, and many others. All of those names speak of God's attributes. His name not only tell who He is, but what He is like. It's not because we simply know God's titles that we love and trust Him, but because we know His character. He's our creator, our sustainer, our provider, our protector, our peace, and our righteousness. And all this suggests how we ought to pray. Pray with confidence and boldness to our Father. God is approachable. He delights to answer our prayers. Psalms 37, 3-5 says He'll give us the desires of our hearts. Pray with humility and reverence, for He rules in authority from heaven. Pray with knowledge and love of His attributes as being good and kind. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Look there in verse 10. Thy kingdom come. This should be the goal of every believer. The rapture will be the beginning of His kingdom coming. The first step or beginning to the end. Now let's be honest, however, we tend to be scared of the unknown as humans. We have no idea what it's going to be like to experience death. I believe, however, the Bible teaches that we won't experience it or remember it. I believe if we're a Christian, if we're truly saved by God's grace... You're not even going to remember it happened. You know, so many people out here today that call themselves Christians are really scared of death, and I get that. It's, it's not necessarily that they're scared of going to heaven. It's that they're scared of the experience. But I believe when that time comes, God will give us grace for that. And I can assure you this, you're not going to remember it when you step into the kingdom of heaven, amen. Sudden death, sudden glory. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm sure thankful I got that eternal promise this morning. Amen? So we should pray that God comes sooner than later, asking God to fulfill His plan for us. So moving on, there in the next line, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we pray for His will to be done. Again, all layers of this prayer sandwich here that we're talking about. The next step in the outline would be that thy will be done on earth. So we've gone from uh, acknowledge, praise. Now we're asking that His will be done. So why would we pray for His will and then petition for our own needs and wants? We know the Bible says that His thoughts are not my thoughts, so obviously our wishes are different. I believe the answer to that is how many times do we see in the Bible the prayers of others have changed the mind of God. People say that God doesn't change. Well, that's true. His character never changes. God is who He always was and who He always will be. That'll never change. 
But we see several instances in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, where God did change His mind because of what? One thing. Prayer. Prayer changes God's mind. And I believe sometimes He just waits on us to see if we're truly going to believe in Him, which is something else I'm going to be preaching out today about today, so I don't want to go too deep into that. Next, give us this day our daily bread. Give us today's portions, Lord. I want to trust you day by day. Why? Because that keeps us close to Him. The dependency as a baby that depends on his parents for his needs, crying out to let his needs be known. Not occasionally, but multiple times throughout the day. The Bible says that we really shouldn't cease from prayer. Now, obviously, we have a job, and we have to take care of our kids and, and our homes and do those things. So that doesn't mean that we need to be on our, de- on our uh, knees 12 to 16 hours a day. That's not what he's talking about. It's simply saying that we should always be in a state of prayer. We should always have God on our mind. I'm certainly not the most spiritual person in this room. I can assure you of that. I fail each and every hour of every day. Woe is me. However, I do find my time my, myself many times throughout the day. Whether I'm working, or I'm driving, or I'm simply spending time with my wife or kids, and I'll, I'll walk outside or, or see something in my home, and I'll just say, thank you, Lord. I know that was you, God. I couldn't have these things if it wasn't for the blessings that you bestow upon me every day. Just that constant state of remembering. You know what? This isn't about me, but it's all about Him. Amen? Next, verse 10. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So this isn't necessarily talking about money here. I don't think He wants us to just tell anyone that owes us money to forget about the debt because... The Bible outlines that as well. What it says here is to forgive our brothers as we are following the example of Christ's prayers, we should also follow an example of His life. And His entire life was to die for those who didn't deserve it. Amen? Romans 5.8 I don't personally believe this always means to go to that person and offer forgiveness I think there's situations, and I, I just don't want to get too deep into this, but there are situations to where we, we are not going to face somebody face-to-face and ask them for forgiveness or vice versa. I believe this forgiveness is more for us. It's to release that guilt from our heart because Christ did that for us. Um. So we should forgive people that have done us wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean you've got to go to that person and say, I forgive you, but you definitely need to forgive them in your heart and your mind and before God. This release of guilt and anger in our hearts opens and makes way for blessings from Him. We can't have unforgiveness in our heart and ask Him to forgive us because that would be hypocritical. <clears throat> Excuse me, verse 13 and lead us not into temptation. This line isn't implying that God leads us to sin. James made that point clear when he said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. James 1.13 What we're asking for is that he steer us away from any temptation 
or sin throughout the day. I heard this from a good evangelist friend of mine, and it's always stuck with me. He said each and every morning, I believe before he even steps out of the bed, he would say, God, I'm asking you today to guide my eyes. Lord, don't let me look at anything that would harm me or upset you. God, I pray that you'd guide my ears today. Don't allow me to listen to things that you wouldn't approve of. Lord, would you guide my tongue today? Don't let me speak things that would upset people or ruin my testimony. God, I ask you to protect my hands today. Don't let me touch anything unclean or anything that you wouldn't approve of. Father, I pray that you protect my feet, Lord. Don't let them take me anywhere, God, that would upset you or again, scar my testimony. And I like that. I like that a lot. I believe that we should get in touch with Jesus every morning and that we should ask that He guide us in every way throughout our days. Deliver us from evil. Just as God implies God... uh, I'm sorry, just as good implies God, evil implies Satan. Uh, We're asking the Lord to deliver us from Satan that we not be tempted. This may be in a reference to the fact that Jesus was tempted by Satan. How then can we be delivered? Again, James said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I found this true many times in my life. How do we resist? In the same way Jesus did, by knowing Scripture. Another way, simply cry out. I've literally been in situations that I felt like I was being almost suppressed by Satan, and I literally had to scream out, get away from me, I don't care what you do, the Bible says we win, I've read the back of the book, and there is nothing else you can do about it. God will still be my God, no matter how He answers this prayer, or how this situation ends, I'll still serve Him, amen? So being familiar with the Word of God, though it may not be memorized, should throw a red flag when you hear anything different than what your Bible says. If you know this thing good enough, and somebody tries to twist Scripture on you like Satan did Jesus, something should go off in your head saying, wait a minute, I need to get away from that. So we're asking the Lord to deliver us, admitting our inadequacy and submitting to His supreme authority over Satan. And finally, our closing statement here, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So once again, we are affirming His property because He owns and is the master of everything that we see and everything that is and has ever been created. We're acknowledging His power because He is the almighty and the all-powerful supreme authority In this world, it doesn't matter what our president says. He's still on the throne. Amen? And His preeminence. His glory. Because He is worthy. He is the Master. And we surrender all. And then finally, there in the closing in your Bible, you see this word. Amen. Let it be so. Whatever you would have for us, Lord. Let it be so. Let it be done according to your will. So in conclusion, in praying this pattern of prayer, if you will, we adore Him, we praise Him, we lift Him up, we surrender to Him, we plead to Him, 
And we ask that His will be done because He's God and He's good all the time and all the time He's good. Amen? So, I hope that next time you pray, and by the way, that doesn't mean that you have to take an hour each time you pray to be able to get through this entire sandwich, if you will. But I hope that you'll remember this passage, these verses, if you will, as a, as a way that I believe God wants us to pray. Because He does want and deserve all the glory, first and foremost. We should acknowledge Him, we should praise Him before we ever cast our petitions, which He fully allows us to do, by the way. I hear this all the time. Did you pray about that thing? Well, no, it just seemed too little. Too little? Really? You know how big our God is? He wants you to cast all your petitions at His feet. He doesn't care how little or big it is. If you have a need, He's the one to ask because He's the one that can provide. Amen? Nothing happens without Him knowing or having His hand upon it. So again, thank you for allowing me to teach your Sunday school class this morning. I've enjoyed it. And I'm going to try to get this projector here together with these men's help and uh, see if we can get a little PowerPoint going for you for the preaching hour so I can kind of show you uh, what I'm doing and what I've been doing. Uh, we certainly appreciate you guys' support, and we want to keep that going. Amen? So uh, we'll update you during the hour before we preach, as, as your pastor asked me to do. So let's go back to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again uh, for this lesson on how we should pray. Sometimes it's confusing to people, especially new Christians, but sometimes it's even confusing to people who have been saved for many, many years. They just don't quite understand this passage. I hope I've done somewhat of a small job here to be able to explain that. Uh, Lord, the truth is, you're our friend. You stick closer than a brother. And Lord, we can talk to you like a friend. We can ask you anything and I believe in those times that we're so distressed, so worried, so bothered by the situations of this old world, we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say. And sometimes the words just won't come out, but I certainly do, with all my heart, believe that you give grace for that as well. And that you know our heart and you know our minds, even when we can't speak it. Father, we're just thankful that you're God. And we're thankful that you accept us as we are. Lord, we just want to say thank you this morning. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.